I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the bring Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, now we have another club update, this time talking all things Tottenham with Steve Magookin, uh, the former chairman of New York Spurs and also a uh, contributor to this very show talking about Northern Ireland uh, often. Steve, very glad to have you back on. Wish it was in better circumstances. The, the main story for Tottenham right now is the injury to Harry Kane. Um, looks like an ankle injury, and it is the same ankle that he injured earlier in the season. He could be out for some time. There has not been official confirmation of, of a return date or anything like that. The scan is meant to happen today as we record. But I'm just curious to get your initial reaction on missing Kane, especially as he was rounding into such prolific form. Yes, no, he was in great form. Thanks for having me back on, Kevin. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, yeah, six goals without your leading scorer. Uh, not Not a bad performance, but... But you're right. I mean, the, the the reasons to be optimistic, I think, on the on the Kane injury is uh, twofold. First of all, uh, he walked off uh, unassisted, and uh, rather than being carried off as he was in the Sunderland match, and and secondly, you know, we do have the international break coming up, uh, and so obviously it doesn't look like he's going to be involved in the in the England squad uh, preparation, and we now have six weeks really between now and the semi-final the cup semi-final against Chelsea and you know that's the that's the target that you're going to look at first of all to see if that's even feasible uh but as you say we were waiting everybody was waiting with bated breath to see what the the, the scan result was going to be today and uh, and that hasn't come through yet so so yeah i mean it, it, you know it's one of those things where uh Everyone says, "Oh, you're you're a one-man team, or you're 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 not going to be as effective without your leading scorer." And, and certainly, obviously, if he's if the guy's fit, you're gonna you're gonna want to put him in the uh, in the squad. But what a what a great performance that was against Millwall! Even qualifying that with the, the quality of the opposition, uh, you, you know, we'll, we can talk about <clears throat> excuse me, I talk a bit, a bit about Vincent Janssen because I know you're you know you're <laughs> interested in what his progress, but. <clears throat> the the idea that he scores when he wants as the as the crowd were chanting, <laughs> which was brilliant, uh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. But but everyone was so pleased for him. The fact that uh, you know when when Harry went off and uh, he sent and uh, Potch sent on Christian Eriksen, everyone said, "Oh my goodness, you know he must he must really have no confidence in uh, in in Janssen at all." But but don't forget, I mean the the, the game was still in the balance at that stage and uh, it wasn't really and, and it proved to be the right move to send Ericsson on because Ericsson I think has a fantastic game uh, but once the once the tie was was under control it was the right thing to give Janssen 25 minutes at the end of the game and and you know he, he sort of grew into it and I you know obviously you and I have talked before about 
uh, Janssen's personal development and about in in a bigger picture this <clears throat> this idea of uh, strikers particularly making the transition from the Eredivisie uh, into the Premier League and you know on the, the two extremes you've got Suarez who who did it particularly well and and then on the other side uh, Wilfred Boney who uh, probably was a little more disappointing in in, in the overall outcome. Um, but uh, I, I'm still full of optimism for, for Janssen. I think the guy works really hard. Uh, I think it depends a lot on the structure of the team around him, uh, the sort of opportunities that he's going to get. And, um, and so, I, you know, I'm, I'm upbeat. I think we'll, we'll come on to talk a little bit about <clears throat> the, the run of fixtures that we have coming up uh, and how they're probably not as challenging as they would have been uh, earlier in the season in, in terms of just a, a run of sort of four or five weeks. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot. I, I, I hope the injury to Harry is not as severe as, as we think it might be or we, we fear it might be. But uh, having having Janssen there, and of course, don't forget, you know, Son uh, scored a hat-trick and, and uh, is a perfectly adequate replacement as well. So I think there's a lot to be upbeat about, but obviously you want to be able to field your, your best 11 at any one time. Yeah, and that definitely is something that Tottenham have not really been able to do this year. Um, but I think I mentioned in, in the preseason that that was another thing that was bound to regress. Not only did we have eight of our 11 starters last season probably have the best year of their career, but also we stayed incredibly fit other than that couple months of Vertonghen in which Vimmer filled very adequately. Um but with all that said, Tottenham are actually in a better place at this point in the season on 56 points than they were last year on 54. While Kane was gone um, after the, the ankle injury against Sunderland that we've mentioned, uh, Tottenham did go undefeated in the Premier League. Two wins, three draws. Son primarily was the person that was played up front. Do you think that we're going to see Son? Or do you think that because Jansen scored, maybe it's a good point for Pochettino to roll with Jansen to see if we can't get some of that confidence going, especially considering he was very much a second-half player uh, in the year he won the Golden Boot at Azad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very good point. I mean, yes, I mean, you know what you're going to get with Son. And when Son and Ali and Ericsson click together, I think we are actually a very good uh, forward unit without, without Harry. Uh, Jansen, I think, if he's content to be on the bench uh, and, and come on maybe for the last 20 minutes of a game, that gives us a, an, another another um, bow or another arrow in the in the quiver, as it were. And I think coming back to uh, what I was saying about the next this next run of games, if you look at, I mean, we've got Southampton next, and then we've got uh, Burnley, Swansea, Watford, Bournemouth. Uh, obviously, a rearranged uh, game against Palace uh, in between there, and then Leicester. And, yeah. you know, frankly, even if Harry misses, well, I don't know, four of those games, four or five of those games, we should, we should have enough capability to, uh, to be able to, to overcome uh, those, those teams. I would, I would certainly hope so anyway, whether, whether we play Son or Janssen. And, uh, and I, I hope Janssen gets a, a, a little bit of a run of form to be able to, you know, uh, pump up his confidence a little bit because um, – Oh, we were just talking about the Eredivisie the other day, and I, I do you remember mm. a player, Willem Corsten, who mm. uh, came from Vitesse Arnhem, I think, to to play for us. Although we signed him, he was on loan at Leeds, and then uh, they tried to sign him permanently, and and we came in with a with a bid, and we signed him, and and you know he he was a success coming from the uh, from the Eredivisie, very classy, very elegant player, scored some fantastic goals for us. 
And uh, and I think you know, talking of Dutch players, leaving aside sort of Edgar Davids and and, and Rafa, mm. uh, who, who I think we both would have wished we could have gotten at an earlier stage in their career, and of course didn't didn't come straight from Holland. But Corsten yeah. uh, uh, is is one of those players that that gives you the encouragement that uh, that uh, Janssen. There's there's echoes of Corsten in Janssen. I think is what I'm what I'm trying to say. Interesting, yeah. Uh, uh, the comparison that I've hated most of the season are the Soldado comparisons because oh. they wear nine and score penalties. One was twenty nine years old and scored twenty plus goals in La Liga four out of five seasons, mm-hmm. and the other one is a twenty three year old with one season in the Eredivisie really under his belt. Um, he's very much a developing player. I'm very pleased that he scored because I think the people that were trying to write him off yeah. no longer are. Um, yeah. But this, this is a player very much on the rise. It, it's it's difficult if you want to compare him to Kane because they're not that far apart age-wise. Um, but he, he is a very young and immature player, and I just think it'll take time to get the best out of him. But we've seen what he can do uh, in the Netherlands. We've seen what he can do in an orange shirt for the Netherlands as a country. Um, and, I mean, the finish, I know you, you know we've both already mentioned it's Millwall, so don't get too carried away, but that was a great finish. Oh, yeah. First time into the bottom corner. Uh, against the grain of the keeper, so the the upside is definitely there. Um, but I, I do think it would be interesting to see if Poch does double down on that, just to try to get the confidence going, or if we go with Sun. You mentioned uh, how the three move around. We did a show earlier this season, really when this trend started happening throughout the Premier League, um, when Firmino basically beat out Sturridge for the striker job, quote-unquote, at Liverpool, and when Alexis started starting for Arsenal ahead of Giroud up top. And so this this kind of conversion of wide creative players all of a sudden playing up front, creating this kind of um, constant movement in a three that constantly unsettled defenders and everything. Uh, it has clearly worked uh, at times this season. Alexis has obviously been incredible for Arsenal up top um, throughout most of the season. And if we can duplicate that, I think we'd be in good stead. But, I mean, that's a question that I'd love to get your take on, which is uh, after the last Premier League match, um, against Everton, who are a very tough opponent, uh, opponent and are very much on their way up. Um, not to get too carried away, but Barkley has developed really well this season after yeah. some disappointing years. Um, but that was a, I thought that was a huge win. Even though it looked 3-2 on paper like it was close, it never felt particularly close. Um, after that, I said we were going to make the top four. That felt like the, the sealed thing. We only have two matches against top eight teams left this season. They're both at home. Um, it's United and Arsenal, and uh, obviously we have nine straight Premier League wins at home, so I wasn't too worried about that. But now with the Kane injury, I know you mentioned that they are some fairly, they, they are quote-unquote winnable fixtures uh, that Kane will likely be missing. Do you still think that we can be confident in a top-four finish, or is it a little more thrown up in the air? No, I, I'm I'm pretty confident, actually, that we'll continue to... We might not finish second. Uh, I just have a feeling that City... Uh, you know, we'll come on a, on, a, on a run at the end, but uh, but I'm still pretty confident that we'll we'll uh, will not repeat the the collapse of last season. Uh, I'm very optimistic about that. Um, I was at the Everton game, and I, I it it did seem you know it was very nervy. It was it, until Harry scored that fantastic goal uh, to to put us in the lead. We, we were we were very nervy, and actually, you know, Everton are one of those teams where. They play with the, the one man up front who is actually one of the best strikers in Europe at the moment. Uh, and, and if they are able to, to you know, put him in the right position, 
Um, I mean, Toby and, and Jan looked after him perfectly well, apart from that one, just that one slip where, where uh, Jan lost his balance as, as Lukaku was going yeah. through and then, you know, led to the goal. That was one of those things. But um, and then, of course, the, the, just the circus of uh, them getting the second goal as their fans were leaving, which was actually really interesting because uh, everyone thought, you know, 3-1, Delhi scored the what was a lovely goal from uh, from Harry Winks' free kick. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, and everyone thought, right, that's it. You know, we can we can finally breathe because, quite frankly, through that whole game, it was it was a real see- seesaw. Uh, and Everton, as you say, are, are on the up. If they make a couple of key signings, um, Koeman, I think, is, is exactly the right man to, to, to take them uh, higher. Uh, and of course, now you know, don't forget that um, there will be an extra place in the Europa League uh, this year because uh, the I think all the, uh, the the four semi-finalists in the FA Cup are all probably expected to finish in the top four, mm. uh, with the exception of Arsenal, possibly. Um, but it's it's now likely that the winner will come from a team that will have already qualified. So there'll be a, you know it'll drop down an extra place. So you know Everton might have the get the experience of, of playing in the Europa League as well. So, but they're definitely on the rise. And uh, I, I, we mentioned just to go back to the you know the three up front, which is a really interesting uh, way of us uh, being confident in how uh, you know the, the the capability within our our three. We haven't even mentioned. Lamella, Lamella won't be back for probably for the rest of the season, mm. but he gives us another another fine option uh, within that um, within that fluid attacking three. So I think yes, the way we play with Harry is uh, is I think the way Poch wants to play. But certainly having the options of of Janssen, uh, uh, Son, uh, Eriksson, and and of course Delhi uh, moving around within that. Uh, I think gives us reason to be uh, relatively confident about uh, about holding on for uh, for top four this year. All right. Well, devil's advocate. If somehow it doesn't happen, if if Tottenham somehow slip up and miss Champions League this season, what do you think the ramifications would be at the club? Largely, do you think it would just be we clearly wouldn't have missed if Kane hadn't gotten hurt? Um, I obviously don't think Pochettino would be held accountable, but some players could leave. Just just in that you know, uh, dark world scenario. Uh, what, what do you think we could see at Tottenham if they did miss Champions League? I, you know, to be honest with you, A, I don't think we'll have to address it. I, I hope we don't have to address it. But I think you're right. I think if, if we were to somehow have a, a late season collapse like we did last year and slip down to, to fifth, uh, there would be something structurally wrong with how we organize ourselves beyond just the one injury that you could point to and say, this is why we didn't score as many goals or this is why we, we didn't get as many points. There, there would be something structurally wrong with how, uh, how the team is, is organized. And I think questions would have to be asked if, that, uh, if that's the case. But, um, you know, as I say, I hope, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think it will happen. Uh, I think we are, and this is, you know, famous last words on my part. Uh, of course, we can always replay this at a, at a at a future date. I do think that we will finish above Arsenal this year, and I think that uh, will be probably the tipping point in terms of what happens with uh, with Wenger. Um, but I mean, as far as anything can be predicted, Kevin, and you know, you know, we don't <laughs> we don't really do predictions, but but. 
you know, what you what you want at this stage of the season is to be playing well, and we're playing well, and we have a good run of games that we can consolidate our position. Uh, we should be able to uh, to have enough to to take on those teams, that run of teams um, uh, over the over the month of April. By the you know by the middle of the month of April, we should be in a in a very good, very strong position. Um, and you know, I, I I just I do. I do think uh, this is this will be a, a good year for us in terms of, you know, pu- putting to bed the the nonsense that went on at the at the uh, at the closing stages of last season, and we can move into we can get ready to to go and play at Wembley uh, if that actually ends up happening, uh, or um, and and just really ru- have a, a a two season run up to the new stadium, and uh, I know you're you're coming over to see the Bournemouth game, and maybe we can. You know, we can do a special pod or something from the Bournemouth game. We'll we'll go there early and we'll walk around the new stadium. You have to see it to believe it. It is it is absolutely fantastic. So uh, yes, I mean we've got we got the Arsenal game, we've got the Man U game. Those are the only two games really that that should give us a, a huge problem. But as I say, famous last words, Kev. Yeah, and currently um, the end of White Hart Lane. Uh, ceremonial stuff is planned for that Manchester United match, but there could be a midweek match in between weeks 37 and 38 based on where they put um, the Crystal Palace and Leicester matches that have yet to be rescheduled. So, Right. That's Yes, that's a good point, actually. That's uh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, so it'll just be interesting to see how, how that all comes together. But that Manchester United match, especially if it's the last match at White Hart Lane, would be absolutely massive. Um, oh. and, and also, don't forget our, our final game the following week. Is uh, is a way to hull, and, you may need and to stay up. they might not have secured their status by then. So you know, there there are there are a couple of couple of potential minefields along the way. But as I say, I think we should be too strong for um, for the teams that that are coming up. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I do think uh, potential ramifications if we miss Champions League. I think Hugo and Toby would be the most likely to look. Elsewhere, I'm not sure either of them would actually go, but I do think that that at the top of the list of players that could go would be some of those, you know, older, clearly, you know, elite slash world class uh, players at Tottenham. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I think maybe we talked about this on the last podcast uh, that we did uh, sign Paulo Lopez uh, on a permanent deal uh, after the one year loan from mm. uh, Espanol. Uh, I mean, quite frankly, if if we were to miss out on Champions League this year, I wouldn't blame Hugo at all for leaving. Quite frankly, yeah. you know, the the man is one of the top ten keepers in the world. Uh, he should be playing in the Champions League every year, and uh, hopefully, he will be with us. Yep, absolutely agreed. There. All right. Well, that'll do us uh, for time. But uh, is there anything you'd like to plug or tell people to go see? Uh, not. Really, I, I was on uh, the Anfield Index a couple of weeks ago talking about Spurs and various things, and uh, I just wanted to say thanks to those guys. Uh, and uh, you can follow the debate if anyone's uh, coming to New York. Follow the debate and uh, uh, get in touch with us at NY Spurs on Twitter or nyspurs.com and come and watch the games with us. And if you'd like to find Steve on Twitter, he's at Steve Magookin, but only if you're going to say nice things. Um, <laughs> That seems to be the rule there. Uh, all right, Steve, absolute pleasure speaking with you. As you mentioned, I'll see you uh, over there, London side, very soon. And uh, thanks for joining us, and take care. I'm looking forward to it, Kevin. I'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.